Hello and welcome to episode 74 of Christians in Our Soup, a weekly podcast by two of God's peculiar people, about God's peculiar people, for God's peculiar people, proving that life is simply not as black and white as some would have us believe, but that sometimes life gets real and doesn't fit into any boxes, no matter how hard we try. So, dear listener, welcome to the Christians in Our Soup Christmas Party, Christmas episode, Christmas special. I wasn't really sure what to uh, what to <laughs> title this week. Um, I should say right at the off that it's just Bramwell and myself this week. We're going to chill, relax, um, and I've nicked a formula. Um, Bramwell, a you formula? Might, yeah, I've nicked the formula for, uh, yeah, not, not that kind of formula, brother. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Formula, formula for the show, my friend. Formula for the show. Oh, thinking milk formula. <laughs> I was going to say, we'll come back to the formulas that you're thinking of in a few minutes. <laughs> Trust me, I wouldn't nick those kind of formulas at my age. But anyway, um, I, I have wonderful memories of Farley's rusks and eating them as a biscuit. Not I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> um, but no, we'll, we'll come back to that in a moment. Um, you, you may recall me saying uh, a few weeks ago that I've recently discovered the um, Christian, uh, Christian Vision for Men yep. YouTube site. And I've been keeping up with most of their stuff. They had a fantastic Christmas episode live last Saturday, which if you haven't seen it, it is on uh, YouTube. It's available. Great fun to watch. Um, and for a live show that I think had, I think topped out at about 100 watchers, they raised a little over £10,000 for their charity within three hours. It was absolutely brilliant. But um, watching one of their earlier shows, and they've done a couple of seasons of regular Sunday Night Live uh, shows, and somebody messaged in and said, hey, can I grab this um, for, uh, uh, for my YouTube channel? And uh, Carl Beach, and Carl, if you're listening, bless you, brother, I'm going to hold on to this with all I'm worth. Carl Beach said, there's no copyright in the kingdom. Those were his exact words. <laughs> so I have shamelessly nicked the formula that they often use for uh, for their Sunday night live shows, and they certainly used on their Christmas special. Um, they have top tens. We haven't got time for three top tens, so we've got three top fives coming up in the show this week. Uh, top five Christmas songs, uh, top five Christmas foods, and our top five aspects from the Christmas story. So we're going to come back to those a little bit later on in the show. But we've waffled on and almost completely ignored the beard watch sting that I put in straight after the um, opening music. Um, so, um, mate, handing over to your good self. Now, we know the beard is gone. We know Boaz has arrived. So at what point do we move from beard watch to baby watch? Oh, now that's a good one. Isn't it? I thought of Baby Watch. I've been thinking about what to do next. And you just brought it up. That's well, awesome. That, that th- no, I haven't brought anything up, brother. Um. 
Oh, back to the formula. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I was just thinking as you shared about Carl Beach, I thought, you know, if Carl Beach is listening, then we've made it big time. Because <laughs> <laughs> what a nice thought that is. We've arrived. I'll tell you why. It's because uh, I went to a very early Christian Visions of Men. Um, oh, what was it called? Oh, I can't think what they've just <laughs> gone completely out. I've got baby brain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I couldn't possibly comment. Their, their, their weekend they do in a field at Swindon. Oh, the Gathering. The Gathering, thank you very much. Yes. I'm glad you're and, in. <laughs> and, well, I, I know this because I've started re-watching the uh, 2020 Gathering videos this morning. Because, uh, of course, COVID meant that they couldn't meet in the field in Swindon. Um, yes, so that's right. They, they put out four, three hours. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yes. So, yeah, that and, and Carl Beach used to be involved with the Message Trust as well. So, Carl, if you are listening, you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise he had links with the Message Trust. That's fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so, um, anyway, sorry, I've taken no, it no, away no, from the beard not, again. Not at all, not <laughs> at all. Update us, brother. How has your week been? Uh, well, the beard's not back. But Amen. the beard has... a appeared in a in a rather white form at various points in this week right um and uh will appear a bit more in a white form in uh, plastered onto my face um <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm hesitant to explain it anymore in case we do have any younger listeners this week yes, uh, after dropping the bombshell last week <laughs> <laughs> so it's all in code <laughs> wait till we get onto the tooth fairy <laughs> yeah <laughs> So yes, but um, oh, this week. Uh, oh, where do I start? Um, uh, so last week when we recorded, this was we'll remember from our last episode that Boaz had been born. Yeah, and the scenario we had in labour and how God moved through that. It didn't. Uh, I say it didn't get any easier. That's not quite true. It did get easier. Yeah, but we did have some issues um, surrounding Boaz. Um, which meant that he was he was basically quite jaundice. Okay. So he had to be put into an incubator um, with a light, um, and he was in there for about thirty six hours. Which was oh wow. For, for Natasha, bless her, she was on her own because of course yeah. I couldn't visit. Yeah. So she was sure. literally on her own. The only thing we could do was FaceTime, and yeah, it was it was difficult. Sure. It was very difficult. Yeah. She was having to feed every three hours. She was on her own. There was no support really from the outside right and of course with her breastfeeding it was all down to her to do everything yeah she she loved the time with him sure but the problem was of course he was in this incubator by the side of her bed and that meant that every three hours she needed to get him out but of course every time she got him out someone would come and say he needs to be in there and there was that whole to and fro that it wasn't yeah, it was difficult for her during those times. And, and we had a few moments where we thought they were coming home and then they yeah. weren't um, and everything. And in the end, um, and if there's any, if we got any fathers out there that are listening and particularly any mothers that uh, are potential mothers and fathers that are going to be having babies in the next few weeks or months, yeah. really, with the whole COVID restrictions in the UK. One thing I will say to encourage you guys is... Don't be afraid to get the midwife or the doctors or the nurses to contact you yeah. um, on yeah. the outside of the ward. You know, yeah. We had to. We had to. Uh, I sent a letter in to say that we needed contact. Natasha um, really did 
you know, she had to say, look, can you please contact my husband because he's got no idea what's going on. Yeah. And obviously she's just given labour. She's not knowing really where what's going on at times yeah, because she's absolutely shattered. Yeah. So they're relaying information to her, which she's trying to relay to me. And, you know, bless her heart, she's not gathering everything. Yeah. So, yeah, we did have to say a few times, look, can you please ring me? And they did. And, you know, they, they, they did do that. But, yeah, don't don't feel cut off because you do have, I'm going to say it, you do have human rights. You do have father's rights. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, and those cannot be taken away by COVID. And so, yeah, so so do that because it, it did make the world a difference. Yeah. Anyway, with all of that, so Sunday, um, so basically we recorded on, I can't remember, Wednesday, I think it was that week. Yes, yeah. And so she was still in until Sunday, which obviously when our, this is going to get confusing, when our version <laughs> went out. Yes, of course, <laughs> yes. Yes. So, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so that was five days later after recording. She was still in, but Sunday she came out. Wonderful. Of hospital. And yeah. it was it was great. And he's he's amazing. I mean, I know every parent will say that their child is amazing but uh, <laughs> I'm gonna put it and say my child is absolutely awesome and amazing <laughs> that's brilliant he's he's great he is great so much so that this morning we slept through the alarm all of us oh wow to get up to feed so um, that's how placid and carby is <laughs> oh that's brilliant that's fantastic. so yeah it's been great it's yeah. been great to have us all back together yeah fantastic and uh, it's yeah We've we've enjoyed it, and uh, he's had his first taste of um, Eden work. Uh, oh, right. in blind mice. Oh no, yes, I think I saw something on Facebook uh, a couple of days ago. Um, the 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 picture of him was it in the carry cot or in the pram? In the pram, yeah. We're we're going to be doing a walkabout. Come and say hello. Yeah. So uh, listeners may may remember that we've said that Tuesdays are our Eden day. Yep. Well, we've, you know, we've, we're keeping that going. Boaz is very much part of the Eden team. Fantastic. So, yeah, he came out with us around the community and we had a, yeah, we had an amazing day Yeah, with him and um, with, with the community starting to meet him as well. And uh, it broke down some more barriers. It, yeah. yeah, it was just, it was amazing. So, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to, to more work with work with Boaz yeah <laughs> that's our new um our new team member and the youngest team member I think that uh <laughs> so, I was gonna yeah, say is there, is there a good. record for um for the youngest team member on an Eden project <laughs> well I, I do know that there was there was another team that did yeah. have a baby not long after they'd arrived okay onto an estate so yes so I do know of one others that had a baby not long after they started wow. Okay, but I don't know how quick that one appeared compared to ours. But right. uh, yeah, right. you know, it's uh, he's great. He's he's absolutely awesome. And, Fantastic. Um, oh, yeah. brilliant! That's really good. Um, on a slightly more serious note, but still with the Eden team, um, the last I'd heard from yourself was that uh, as a team, uh, you're now looking for two folk to join. Is that still the case? And if it is, and any of our listeners might be interested in joining, what can they do? Yeah, it's a good point. Um, so, yeah, we are, we, we're always looking. Yeah. 
I mean, a, an Enin team, core, I say a core team, can be any number really. They recommend usually between six and twelve, and yeah, we went we went down to four um, a few weeks ago. Um, at the moment, I was going to say it's okay because the four of us are working together really, really well. I mean, without Zoe and Oliver and Ozzy and Natasha, I don't at this particular time. I don't know how we would manage. Right, but yeah. with, with COVID, it's been it, it's okay. Yeah, and and the team are really, really committed and are, are awesome absolutely awesome team fantastic um, and we've got an extended team that has really stepped in and helped particularly when we had the pop-up christmas the other week yeah. um obviously love where you live but in terms of core team yeah we're, we're always looking the process is it's, it's very simple um in terms of the process but the requirements are to live within the area yeah so to move into line of mice or move into the area that we have because Blind and Mice really is quite a difficult area to move into in regards to housing. Yeah. We've extended the area slightly to incorporate the other local estate um, yeah. in terms of house house looking. So yeah, so it's it's moving to that within that boundary area that we've put to move in um, and then to commit to the equivalent of two evenings a week. One of those at the moment is a Tuesday afternoon yeah. uh, where we have our team meeting and then the, the, yeah, you can choose between one of the other three times yeah. that we're doing at the moment, which is Tuesday yeah. morning, Tuesday evening, and Friday morning. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's the commitment, and uh, the process is very much you get in touch, get in touch with us at, at, uh, at Blind and Mice. We can have a chat, and then there's an application form and an interview to go through where we can chat in more detail about the requirements in terms of even blind advice and that side of things so yeah we're always looking fantastic we're always looking for people that are local and people that aren't in terms of people that are local depending on how local they are yeah potentially yeah. we won't ask them to move into that area but the commitment then is the fact that you will come into the area maybe a little bit more than what you would obviously if you weren't if you were living in the area yeah um yeah so you know, whilst there's that those requirements, we would also specify and say, well, can you use the local shop, you know, yeah. a couple of times a week? Can you, you know, can you go to the cafe for a coffee maybe once a week yeah. outside of the time that we're there as a team? So those are the yeah as the added things in terms of living, in, yeah. you know, not living local but not living in the community. Yeah, sure, sure because it is very much a community thing and it's doing life with, with the community. So yeah, so that's where we are. But yes, if there are Fantastic. any listeners, it would be awesome to to hear uh, from anyone that would like to get involved. And similarly, if there's anybody that's listening that's local but can't commit to those things, but actually would be like to be part of the extended team, which basically is on call for the bigger things that we do. Yeah. Or could commit to maybe one, you know, one of the, the four things that we've said yeah doesn't need to do the team meetings then again get in touch because we're always looking for extended team members that uh, can put a little bit more commitment in so yeah that would be great wonderful good stuff so from our side listeners may be aware may remember that uh, Anne and I have uh, recently felt uh, quite a strong call to be moving on from where we are that has kind of progressed a little. Um, I think since the last time we've recorded, the Lord has now made it very clear where we are to go. 
Um, and where we're going actually is a huge excitement for Anne and myself. It's somewhere that we'd lived before about 10 years ago. Uh, we were up there for three years and we left a sizable chunk of our hearts behind. Um, and I'd certainly said for quite a while after we came away that I would move back to this place uh, tomorrow if the Lord allowed me to do so. Uh, and about 10 years down the line, the Lord has given us permission to move back. So God willing, as of somewhere around early spring uh, next year, we will be moving back to North Wales. And uh, we, we believe to somewhere in the Colwyn Bay or Rose-on-Sea area. We were actually living in Rose-on-Sea uh, previously. Um, yes, yeah, so the plan is um, that early spring, uh, Anne and I will be moving back up to North Wales um to uh, to find somewhere in uh, either roast on sea or colwyn bay that's the specific area we believe and as i say it's an area that we lived in uh for about three years a little over three years um about 10 years ago we were working for christian endeavor holiday conference centers uh in that place in that area it's an area we grew to love very deeply we had good christian fellowship there we enjoyed the work that we were doing there uh, we loved the area geographically, um, there's a beautiful seafront, nice and level. The, we, we got to know several of the churches in the area. Um, so for Anne and myself, uh, because as I mentioned a moment ago, we left sizable chunks of our hearts in that area when we came away um, 10 years or so ago, to be going home, which is very much what it feels like, is a massive blessing. Uh, for Anne and I and it's interesting because um, when we first moved from South Wales to here in Western Supermare the Lord very clearly said just make the move and see how I will bless you when you get there and naively I guess I'd kind of assumed that this blessing and there was always the the suggestion of a significant blessing I had naively assumed that it was going to be something materialistic, finance, um, different accommodation. I don't know. I don't know quite what I had in mind, but that was kind of what it was. And it was only a couple of days ago in our quiet time that we were thanking the Lord um, for the call that he's placed on our lives now um, to go back to North Wales. That Anne looked at me and, and Anne, I have to say, Anne is the spiritually in tune one of the two of us, <laughs> to be fair. And... She looked at me and she said, do you know what, Rush? She said, I think this is the blessing. I said, what blessing? And she reminded me of what the Lord had said to me before we moved. And what dawned on me to put that into a spiritual persp uh, context, to put that into a spiritual context, was that during our time here, because neither of us are currently working, we have had and we have made more time to spend with the Lord. Um, I think we've mentioned a few weeks ago that we've started recently doing a three times a day rhythm of prayer uh, life using the uh, Northumbria community um, rhythm of prayer material. And those times have developed and grown over, particularly over the last six weeks. But in general, we've just had that little bit more time. And those times, those quiet times have grown and developed uh, in the last five or six weeks, particularly. But basically ever since we've been here, because we've had the time and then we've made the time to develop them. It's been brilliant for our own relationship. Obviously, Anne and I have grown grown ever closer, you know, and I know some would look and say, well, you've been together for 30 years. How do you get even closer? Believe me, you do. Mm. But our walk with the Lord has developed as well. So that's kind of the, the uh, context background to why we actually believe uh, 
and that going back home to North Wales, which is something that's been on our hearts on and off for a long, long time, is the blessing that God was promising us when we came here. Sounds kind of strange, but in our perspective, that's how it works. God said, move, I will bless you when you get there. We've come here, we've made time to listen to him. We've made time to hear from him. Um, we've shared what God has given us and we now have permission to go home. And that for us is a huge, huge blessing. Um, so we're very, very excited um, about going back to North Wales. We've shared that with the folk where we're staying here. So they're aware. We've shared it with uh, a number of folk um, back in North Wales that we're still in contact with. They are all absolutely delighted. So really looking forward to going back and um, uh, rebuilding those relationships and friendships again and, uh, and getting in touch with folk up there. We know a couple of the churches up there fairly well um, and numerous others of the churches up there by name. So, um, yeah, it's, it's exciting times. What's been interesting in the last two or three days is learning to temper our own enthusiasm and our own excitement to get up there and get on with it with a picture that the Lord specifically gave to Anne of him walking down the road, holding us both by the hands and going at his pace and going in his time. And we're now praying regularly that we know what it is to harness that enthusiasm for going back to somewhere that we know and dearly love with the ability to walk at Jesus' pace and let him lead the walk back in that direction. Um, so, And that that's tough because, you know, now we know where we go. We just want to get there. But the Lord has said very clearly, I will walk you along this road in my time. Um, so we're now trying to practice that, um, that, that tempering of our, our human enthusiasm and excitement uh, with walking at the Lord's pace. So it's, it's interesting times, it's very exciting times, but um, yeah, uh, we're, we're looking forward to, uh, to heading back. Um, we've obviously got one or two things that we need to put in place, accommodation and jobs, those sort of things. Um, but we also do believe that the Lord has uh, a role for us within the context of something that will allow the spread of the gospel in that area. So that's something that we're looking into. Um, I shall be dropping emails to a couple of organisations up there um, and a couple of larger organisations that have Welsh branches, for to a better expression, um, and just finding out what they're doing in the area and, and just sort of pushing a few doors and saying, Lord, just show us what, what it is that you want us to be involved with up there. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting times. It's exciting times. In the meantime, here at New Sound Christian Radio, we have a new show going out on Friday evening. Uh, Ronnie G, who's our uh, station founder, he is doing a new chat show come live phone-in type show on Friday evenings at 8 o'clock called Christian Connect. Um, so I would encourage folk to tune in. This coming week now, I've now got to put this in the perspective of when this is going out. No, it will have been and gone by then. Um, but we've, we've, as a station, we've been given, I think it's 20 sets of three books um, looking at various different aspects of the Christian walk um, and at least one, possibly two of them within the context of uh, the global pandemic situation as well that uh, we're going to be giving away on that show over the next few weeks. So uh, do tune in uh, Friday evening, eight o'clock. Um, there will be the option, provided the new technology works, there will be the option of phoning in via WhatsApp, um, but I'll let Ronnie explain all of that come Friday. Um, so yeah, again, exciting times for the station as we um, sort of branch out into a slightly different area to where we've been 
uh, before. Uh, but again, it's a great opportunity to share the gospel uh, with folks. So um, exciting times, both personally and for the station uh, at the moment. So uh, yeah, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Now, earlier on, I alluded to the fact that um, I'd unashamedly nicked the formula for uh, the rest of today's show from those wonderful men, Beachy and Blackers, uh, over at uh, CVM. <laughs> And I want us to get underway with that now, because uh, again, I'm super aware that uh, time is marching on. We've done it again. We have, haven't we, mate? We have. <laughs> the, the joy of this week, though, brother, is the fact that we haven't got um, an interviewee sat in the waiting room um, ready to yes. come on and waiting for us to, to finish warbling. Uh, we could just carry on warbling throughout the, uh, throughout the Christmas party. Um, so we're, we're going to be looking at uh, uh, top five in three different areas. Uh, this week. Firstly, our top five Christmas songs. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see whether we've both gone totally carol and Christian or whether we've mixed it up a little bit. <laughs> we're then going to be looking at our top five Christmas foods. And finally, we're going to be closing with our uh, top five aspects of the Christmas story, the biblical Christmas story. Um, so, mate, do you want to kick us off? What, what's, your, um, what's your first of your favourite songs? Okay, so I'm just gonna get my mince pie and my mulled wine. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I believe you've got it as well. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was so close. Um, just just for the listeners, we um, we live where we are now is literally a hundred yards from our local co-op. And I will admit that about twenty past one, about forty minutes before we were due to record. I was so tempted to leg it over to the co-op and grab another bag of pigs in blanket crisps um, and a bottle of coke or something like that to, to make it proper party uh, party atmosphere. I didn't, unfortunately. Well, got, I don't know if the listeners can hear. I've got me so, hang on. I've got me elf ones on. I've got me elf slippers. Oh, that is awesome! <laughs> Absolutely awesome. There you go. See, one, one of us dressed for the occasion. My my excuse is that it's I have got other clothes on, my... that's just to make sure. <laughs> just thinking my, about my... your comment last week. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was close to doing that, I will admit. And my excuse for not wearing my Christmas jumper is that it's our wash day today and it's in the laundry. So, um, yeah, I can't wait <laughs> for that. Anyway, mate, we've dived down a rabbit hole. Anyway, um, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Loving it. Loving it. Your, your uh, first Christmas wine song, speaking. Mate. Right. <laughs> yes. First Christmas song. Yes. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with old wine. <laughs> Is... <laughs> oh, how this could be a long afternoon. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> joy, joy, joy. Joy to the world. Oh, Is my broken. first Christmas song. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm aware of how many we've got to get through, so I'm going to keep this short. Uh, that's cool, mate. That's cool. But, um, you know, Joy to the World, as yeah, the, the lyrics have meant so much to me. Yep. I, I always remember my dad once saying to me, or when he was a church organist, and he said, he said about Christmas songs, and I think maybe even Easter ones as well, and he said to me at one point, he said, you know, why do we only sing Easter songs at Easter and Christmas carols at Christmas. Yeah. And it, it really resonated with me so much that it has stuck with me. And Joy to the World is a, is a, is a carol, for, for a better word. Yeah. But it's a, it's a hymn that I love to use throughout the year. And I find it an absolutely amazing 
Jesus came to bring joy to the world, not yeah. just at Christmas. You know, Jesus isn't just for Christmas, says the new strap okay. wine. Um, <laughs> you know, Jesus is for all year round. And yeah. yeah, and so that's why, you know, and, and also for me, there's an awesome bass line in it, which I used to love singing when I was in a choir. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I've, and I've alluded to this before, but a Salvation Army band yes. playing this and uh, you'll start to see a little bit of a, a link as we go through my five with some of them anyway. Okay. A Salvation Army band playing Joy to the World. It just, you know, for me, that, that brings Christmas. Yeah. There's a couple of pieces that really, really mean Christmas to me. And so, yeah, that's my first one. Fantastic. So, yeah, what about you? I, I'm going to link my first two together, but predominantly because there's no deep and spiritual meaning for them. You okay? <laughs> Brothers and sisters, we, um, we we record this over Zoom, and I've just seen a very pained expression come <laughs> over my brother's face as I started to talk. So, um... <laughs> Are you all right, brother? Yes, it's me funny bone, not funny. <laughs> <laughs> he said yeah, with a grin all over I... his face, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that was not the mold wine. That was me just moving. <laughs> you should see the size of the glass he's got. But anyway, um, I, I jest. I jest. Um, I, I'm going to mention my my first two songs together because, as uh, as I alluded to a moment ago, there, there's no deep and spiritual meaning for these two songs. They are there because um, Christmas has a number of. Uh, well-known and oft-used songs which really allow non-singers like myself to let rip and just really, I don't know, kick back, kick out, whatever, and, and belt them out as, as numbers. And these two songs um, are both uh, of that ilk, and particularly the choruses in both of them. Um, so they, the first one is Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and the second one is Run Once in Royal David City. And the choruses on both of those are just fantastic for a non-singer like myself to be drowned out by the crowds that are around them, also belting out the choruses. Um, but it means that I can just really go for it and enjoy them. Um, and yes, you know, you, you mentioned the lyrics to uh, Joy to the World. And I, for me, I don't think there's a Christmas carol that hasn't got lyrics that, that don't mean anything. So uh, these two have fantastic words. Um, they're both quite long if memory serves but they're just songs that from a physical point of view I can really enjoy singing most of the carols don't put me to the test but most of the carols um, I think we do sing often enough for me to be able to um, to close my eyes as well so I can really appreciate worshipping through them so I, yeah so it, it, the first two Hark the Herald Angels Sing and Once in Royal David City they're, they're, it's a very simple reason they're, they're, they're just great songs with great music um, that I can really enjoy mm. singing and appreciate the words too so yeah um, your number two mate so yeah my number two um, going with the, the Salvation Army link yep it's a, it's a song called it was on it was called Starry Night it was on yep. a starry night which was I remember my mum singing when okay. I was a child. Listeners may remember that I've alluded to Salvation Army before yeah. um, and that my parents were Salvationists at a, for a time before, well, for a long, you know, all the way through their childhood um, yeah. and into their adulthood. And um, yeah, th so she used to sing this 
What really used to excite me was the fact that there was a time where the Salvation Army would never share their music. Right. And then there, there was a, a change in, in things. Um, and it meant that Salvation Army music that was written by Salvationists, which had Salvation publication rights, yep. it could be shared by outside uh, organizations. Oh, wow. And I always remember this one, um, which was written by Major Joy Webb. Oh, I can't remember when, before I was born. I'm pretty certain of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, but bro, and, that's, not uh, that, that's not that long ago, mate. <laughs> now, if you just said before I was born. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this was a song that then started to, it started to be played. Um, I'd heard it a number of times in various churches yep. as well. And, and even schools singing it. And yeah, it's, but it always reminds me of my mum and my mum singing it. Yeah, so and I just think it's it's beautiful. Um, it, it just reminds of the Christmas story of what happened on that night. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, as the title says, a starry night. Yeah. Yeah. We don't honestly know, but we can gather that it was a starry night. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, so yeah, that's my second song. It, it just really. And every time I hear it, it just makes me think of my mum. And mum, if you're listening, please don't cry. <laughs> oh, bless her. Jump into your number three, mate. Jump into your number three while we're there. Oh, okay. So, um, all right, my number three then, keeping with the arm, the Salvation Army link, um, I've, 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 I've crowbarred this one in <laughs> because it's not a song. Right. <laughs> I've done it again. <laughs> okay. It's a... <laughs> It's uh, it's not a song, but it is an army piece, and it's called Christmas Joy. Yeah, it's a it's a brass band piece, and you know, the the when a bra when a Salvation Army band plays this piece, and they only play it at Christmas, it's an arrangement of Christmas music put all into one. Yeah, and it's yeah it's called Christmas Joy uh, by a, a Salvationist called Eric Lidzet, Lidzen. I think that's how you pronounce it. Okay. And uh, yeah, for me, I always remember it being. I always remember my dad playing it um, on the radio or on you know, record at the time when I was younger. Yeah, you remember uh, record Christmas players? morning? Oh, I do remember record. I, I'm, I'm impressed. I, I am old. I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I am. Had, I am. Getting I actually there. had somebody ask me my um, my my Google name is DJ Theta Sigma. Um, yes, and I actually had somebody ask me the other day. Um, do you still spin discs? I said, brother, I'm old enough to remember it. Um, I said, and even trying to play my 45s at 33 and a third, um, which for our older listeners, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and likewise, trying to play the um, the 33s at 45 as well. And yes. I actually, one of the records that I, well, a couple of the records I had um, were audio drama type records and playing those 33 and a thirds at 45 was always quite amusing. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've rabbit holed again, mate. I apologise. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. So Christmas joy. It, it just, yeah. Whereas the previous one made me think of my mum. This one makes me think of my dad. He always used to play it at Christmas. Christmas morning, he would put it on when we were opening presents and things. And it was uh, it was on at other times as well. But uh, yeah, it's for me again. It's another piece that just really means Christmas to me. Yeah. And uh, I love it. So, so yeah, so those those are my uh, putting the two together. Those are my two yeah. together. <laughs> Super job. My third comes with a bit of a confession. 
uh, I have uh -oh. to say. Um, yes, yes. I mean, <laughs> the, this this could well halve our listenership, um, or possibly even more. Oh no, it's um, not. <laughs> Sorry, it's not the faggot song. <laughs> oh, do you know that's my number four down the drain? No, it's not. It's not. Um, <laughs> um, no, my the confession is uh, that that I have been a closet. Wait for it. Drum roll. I've been a closet Cliff Richard fan. <laughs> I, I've been a closet Cliff Richard fan for many, many years. And I, I, the first of his songs that I can actually remember, and I wasn't a big music radio listener back in those days, but the first of his songs that I ever actually remember. Move it in was, the fifties. Uh, bless you, my child. May your future generations be blessed with the fleas of a thousand hedgehogs. Um... No, not quite. It's quite bad. It's, I know it, isn't it? <laughs> I have to say, somewhere Come upstairs, on, pretty I've got a baby, very old. Yeah, that's the one. Oh man, somewhere upstairs, I've got a recording of an old Cliff Richard concert that he did with the Shadows, which has that in it, and also has the Shadows playing Apache for those that remember that, which for me is one of the greatest oh, pieces awesome. of instrumental music ever. Um, but no, I think the first one I actually really remember is Wired for Sound, and it sticks in my mind Doesn't predominantly for the video. And this was in the yes. early days when musicians <laughs> were putting official videos out. And if memory serves, it was of Cliff Richard on roller skates, um, yes. high speed skating through what I, what I seem to recall is some kind of shopping centre somewhere, uh, belting out wide for sound. And I just thought, you know what, if a pop star can do it and look that cool, um, then it can't be all bad. And that's a very long way round to introducing my third song, which is Mistletoe and Wine. And yep. Mistletoe and Wine was released by Cliff Richard. It wasn't expected to um, do particularly well because he had come out as a Christian. He'd been saying that he was a Christian for a long time. And I don't think anyone particularly expected it to do that well. But if memory serves, it did actually go to number one. And in fact, I think it was the Christmas number one uh, for that year. I cannot remember what year it was, but I believe it was the Christmas number one. So of course it got huge airplay, it got huge airtime. And it was a massive thing for an overtly Christian song uh, to, uh, from an overtly Christian artist as well, to land the Christmas number one spot. And it, it's now become one of those songs. Uh, and I think this is a significant thing for me. Christmas year in, year out on the radio, we hear um, the likes of Slade, um, and others and all the standard secular Christmas songs that get played around this time of year. Mistletoe and Wine has become one of those regular plays. It's become on secular radio uh, one of those regular plays, which means that there's a witness going out uh, every time uh, that this song is played on the radio, which is absolutely fantastic. So kudos to Cliff Richard for doing what he felt was right and releasing Mistletoe and Wine and for an ongoing witness um, in the years ever since. So yeah, that's my third song, Mistletoe and Wine. Great, and I've just I've just researched it. So oh, okay. Mistletoe and Wine, it was number one. It was yep. number one for four weeks. Wow. Um, and it was 1988 and sold okay. 750,000 copies. Wow, there we go, 1988 for four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And it's funny because as you were talking about it, my mum, oh bless her, she's she's cropping up a lot this week. She is, isn't she? <laughs> she's, <laughs> um, she had the video of this album 
that okay. wired for sound was on. So I can remember sitting and watching the video of wired for sound over and over again. Um, <laughs> and that was my introduction to Cliff Richard because she was a huge Cliff fan. Right. Um, and uh, she might still be. I don't know. We don't talk about our music taste very often now. <laughs> and uh, there was a there was a great song on that album called Daddy's Home, which yes. I used to love. Yeah. And um, yeah, that really that was a song that really. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was a, I was only a teenager, and yet that song was. Uh, so yes, um, I remember that album very well. Yeah. My fourth song. Um, bringing some form of semblance of order back to the uh, to the proceedings <laughs> is um, <laughs> is an old Graham Kendrick, and this particular song kickstarts a bit of a theme which I'll pick up on when we look at our top five aspects of the Christmas story. But it's the Servant King, mm-hmm. and the opening verse, uh, the opening line, basically talks about. Christmas arrival from heaven you came helpless babe but it then goes right the way through to the fact that Christ died for us and it completes the story and for me one of the most significant parts of the Christmas story is absolutely that the cradle points to the cross proto-evangelium uh, or evangelium depending on your preferred pronunciation in Genesis three fifteen, points out this whole aspect that the rescue plan was that the devil's head was going to be crushed and part of that crushing experience was the fact that christ was going to the cross and not only that was going to raise from the dead three days later with the ultimate victory um so right from the start of the rescue plan right through to the point where uh, christ came from heaven you came helpless babe um, the whole story is pointing to the cross. And so for me, the Servant King, which isn't always recognised as a carol per se, or even specifically a Christmas song. Uh, but in the last few years, it seems to have been wheeled out a little bit more at Christmas time. But for me, it covers the whole story. It points out the fact that Christ came, yes, humanly speaking, as a helpless babe, but he came specifically with the purpose of going to the cross um, and dying to buy our pardon. Uh, to grab a lyric from another well-known hymn. Um, so yeah, the Servant King holds a place in my heart, particularly at Christmas, um, but, at, but at any time of the year. So yeah, what about your number four, brother? Um, I'm just thinking one where to go. So yeah, I'll go with, so In the Bleak Midwinter Okay, is my number four. The reason being, I mean, I love, there's a number of tunes to it, but there's a beautiful tune and the last verse particularly, uh, what can I give him? Mm-hmm. poor as yeah. I am and the fact that actually all Jesus wants and it's a real evangelistic message which I just love is just wants our hearts he doesn't want anything else from us he doesn't need anything else he just wants us to give our hearts and that can be really really hard at times because actually it's it's giving up ourselves yes. to uh, to him yeah. to allow him to control us um, and allow the Holy Spirit to control us but it's that's that's what it's all about yeah mm-hmm. jesus doesn't want anything else from us he just wants us to give him our life to give yeah. him our heart and and to be his servant yeah um to, to serve him but in serving him he will serve us yes you know just like the the gospel story of, of, of washing the disciples feet that's what he will do yeah um, and that's what he does do so so yeah so that's my fourth one fantastic i love that and your final one, mate? Uh, so my final one, so steering away from everything 
religious and faith-based <laughs> and uh, everything else. I'm so glad um, you said that, given my last one. And I was, I, I'll be honest, I've been wrestling with the last one. And the reason why I've been wrestling with it is because there's two that I think, oh, I really love these. So I'm going to give both of them. Yeah, I was going to say, have a 5A and a 5B, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Christmas. We'll give you that. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. So, the, so all I want for Christmas, um, the classic. <laughs> yes. And, and the other one is Step Into Christmas. Okay. By... Elton John, the reason why all I want for Christmas, I always remember playing one Christmas morning at church and I twisted the lyrics of all I want for Christmas is Jesus. Right. At, at the end of the Christmas Day service, I burst into this song. But I think it's great. It's, it's a great song. You know, you'll find me dancing in the kitchen to it every time it, it comes on. We need to consider doing a video podcast, brother. If, yeah. <laughs> well, if anyone's seen Love Actually and uh, you know, the, the Prime Minister dancing, not obviously not Boris, I mean, that's no, crazy. No. Um, but uh, yeah, Hugh Grant dancing as the Prime Minister right. uh, through number 10. Um, yeah, think of that and you're, you're vision for me. Right, okay. But um, and, and yeah, step into Christmas. I, you, know, I'm a, you were talking about being a, a Closet Cliff fan. I don't think I've ever announced on here that I absolutely love Elton John's music. Right, yeah. So Step Into the Christmas is the other one. But the B-side to Step Into Christmas was, so I'm crowbarring three in now, Yeah, go was for it. Ho Ho Ho, <laughs> Who'd Be a Turkey at Christmas? And I just thought that line <laughs> is amazing. <laughs> I think it's absolutely brilliant. I love, you know, Elton and Bernie Tolpid working together as a classic pop duo. And, and pop writer so yeah the b-side to step into christmas of oh ho ho who would be a turkey at christmas i think is <laughs> awesome and it's a brilliant song um you know our, listeners if you want to check it out check it out because it's it's great the lyrics are great um, so yeah so i've got three extras in there I, so, yeah. well oh, given what you <laughs> Given what you've just done, um, and actually you've reminded me of something, and, and I'm well aware, and, and listeners, we are not on commission to uh, Christian Vision for Men, but one of their <laughs> Sunday night live shows, they have a regular spot with a guy um, with a guy they call, uh, I want to say Tweetcher, I can't think of his, um, yeah. but he, he does a music spot um, for them. And on their Christmas, um, or their pre-Christmas show, uh, he pulled up five Christmas songs and I think three or four of them were very well known, but one of them I had never heard of before. And he introduced it as one of the most atrocious Christmas songs ever. And I've yet to look it up. I'm hoping that it's on YouTube. I haven't yet looked it up, but it's a song called Father Christmas Don't Touch Me and it's by Bill Oddie and the Goodies. <laughs> now, I grew up watching the Goodies, Bill Oddie, Timbrook Taylor and Graham Garden. I, I'm just going to te- keep talking for a moment, listeners, because I think my brother is sort of keeled backwards off his chair laughing. Um, <laughs> I've never heard of the song, but the title just says it I all. I think it's Father Christmas Don't Touch Me. It's either that or Santa Don't Touch Me, something like that. Um, but it's by Bill Oddie and the Goodies. And so I, I grew up watching um, Bill Oddie, uh, Grand Garden and Timbrook Taylor as the Goodies. And for me, they were a jolly sight better than Monty Python, um, although they're... they're um, style of humor was quite similar in some respect but i i love that but i'd never even heard of this um now for for copyright reasons they couldn't play more than about 10 or 15 seconds uh on the show uh that they did so i didn't hear much of it and i haven't looked it up but what i did hear 
it, it was excruciatingly painful to the point of being absolutely brilliant. Um, so I will go away and look that up at some point. Um, and, and it's just there. See if I, is it there? Is, is it Father and Christmas you know what? Don't Touch Me? So it's called Father Christmas Do Not Touch Me. Right, okay. And uh, you can buy it on Amazon. Seriously? <laughs> uh, as, as EP no for two ninety eight. <laughs> I, well, like I say, I haven't listened to it all the way through, so I dread to think, to be honest. But at some point when we're off air, I will look it up and, and just listen to the whole thing. Like I said, it's excruciatingly painful to the point of being brilliant. Um, so, so yes, I've, I've, um, I've squeezed an extra song in there. But my actual number five, it, it's the first song, I think, and it would be, given that we've just discovered that um, Mistletoe and Wine was, what did we say, 1988, I think. Um, this would have been, I think, 1985, and it's this was the first addition to the regular Christmas playlist that I was hearing on the radio, and it came from a, a concert that was first performed in the June of that year, if memory serves, and it was performed as a fundraiser, and uh, it was uh, set up by Bob Geldof, amongst others, and the concert was Band Aid. And the song is Do They Know It's Christmas, which... Sorry. That's the one. (laughs) (laughs) It it was just an incredible collaboration of um, mega pop stars from that time. And basically, these people, they they recorded maybe two lines each uh, of this song. And then I think they kind of came together for for the uh, reprise of the chorus towards the end. But it's a brilliant piece of foot-tapping music and it's got an incredible message. And I think one of the things for me, particularly at this time of year and particularly in the current circumstances, the, the song is also known as Feed the World. And as Christians, we have a duty uh, to look after those who are perhaps not in as good a position as some of the rest of us are. Um, I'm not for a moment suggesting that every last one of us has a responsibility to go out on the streets and, and give food to the poor. That may not necessarily be your calling. But as a, as a group of people, we have a responsibility to look after those who are not as well off as ourselves. And for me, that's a, that's a message that rings through the scriptures. Uh, and Do They Know It's Christmas wasn't specifically a Christian song, but it does carry that level of Christian message in it. Um, and again, it's just another one that's um, it's a foot tapper and it's become one of the regular plays over the Christmas time. So, uh, yeah, that's that's my number five. So, yeah. Does that cover our songs, brother? I think so. Yeah. Wonderful. OK, so <laughs> Christmas foods, Christmas foods. Christmas foods. Yeah. Now, I, I've I've gone really alternative here. Um, oh, okay. with, with possibly one exception, with possibly one exception, um, I, I've gone quite alternative with it. If I tell you that my first one is bread sauce, that gives oh. you an idea of maybe where the rest of my list is going. Okay. I, I love a good bread sauce, but you don't see it very often these days. It, it very rarely True. appears these days. And I have wonderful memories on a Sunday of, of, of with pretty much any meat or any white meat, certainly. So whether it was chicken, pork or turkey, dad would do a saucepan of nice, thick, chunky bread sauce. 
And I just grew a real loving taste for it and really enjoyed it. So Christmas dinner, you know, if we're having turkey or chicken or whatever, Christmas dinner isn't Christmas dinner for me without a huge helping of bread sauce. Now, the other advantage of bread sauce uh, is that unless I'm doing my own Christmas dinner, uh, wherever I'm being hosted has a tendency to pile Brussels sprouts high on my plate. Now, Brussels sprouts were sent by the Lord <laughs> as a punishment for naughty kids, so um, which tells you how much I love Brussels sprouts. But the advantage of a huge dollop of bread sauce is that you can mask the taste of these horrible little things by putting three tons of bread sauce in your mouth and then taking a Brussels sprout in. Um, so... <laughs> Bread sauce has a multi-purpose love for me, uh, or I have a multi-purpose love for bread sauce, I should say, uh, that not only do I just love it and does it enhance the Christmas dinner, but it also hides the taste of those horrible little Brussels sprouts. So there you go, my first food. <laughs> oh, that is so funny, because my <laughs> first food is Brussels sprouts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and... In fact, I'll, I'll be honest, my first one, and I've incorporated everything into this, is oh. Christmas dinner. Yeah. But with Christmas dinner, you've got to have Brussels sprouts. You've got to have the meat. You've got to have the roast potatoes, the cranberry sauce. Yeah. You know, all of those things. I Yeah, that's that's my... But yeah, Brussels sprouts. And you, you may remember, brother, that when we were working together at Nicholson House, and we spent about, uh, I don't know, it seemed like forever, eating Christmas dinner when we were yeah. serving Christmas <laughs> yes. dinners day in and day out. Yeah, most, and we were living there. And yeah. Fed, yeah. And it got to a point, I, I don't know if you remember, and I remember that you didn't like Brussels sprouts. Mm -hmm. I would got, got to the stage where I would take the Brussels sprouts and put cheese on them and melt the cheese onto the Brussels sprouts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I remember <laughs> you doing that. Which is a double unfortunate from my point of view, because not only do I not like Brussels sprouts in any way, shape or form, but yes. cheese gives me a migraine. So um, <laughs> I, I couldn't have enjoyed that. But hey, we're, we're all different, praise the Lord. We are. I, I'm yes. really looking forward to the rest of your list now, because I've split the Christmas dinner thing down slightly. So I have got slightly alternative, um, but I have kind of broken it down a little bit, because my second one is stuffing. Now, I, oh. I love a really well-made stuffing. Um, and, you know, Christmas time... It, like, <laughs> Don't say that too loudly. <laughs> I, as I said it, I was desperately trying to think of how I worded this without losing not only another half of our listeners. We're going to have no listeners by the end of the show. Um, <laughs> or without losing you. Um, no, I... I no, the, 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 the stuffing that you have with any roast dinner, I really enjoy anyway. Um, but of course, Christmas, you can put your cranberry sauce into the mix, you, you know, extra onions. Um, there, there's all sorts of different ways that you can flavor um, a good stuffing to accompany a good meal. Um, and also, the other thing about stuffing is um, if you behave on it, listeners, if you could see the face that I'm looking at at the other end of this Zoom conversation, <laughs> he's, he's not going to be able to do the rest of his food oh, list. Dear. <laughs> I close with this before we move on quickly. Stuffing should be nice and crisp. It should be slightly overdone on the outside, soft in the middle, so you crunch into it and then you burn your tongue on the on the um, on the soft innards of a ball of stuffing. There you go, <laughs> mate. Rescue the show <laughs> if you can. 
Oh, okay. So I'm just going to go very normal and go with mince pies. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! Yeah, sorry. I'm just going to no, keep cool. it I'm, after, after that. I just, <laughs> just can't do it. <laughs> oh. Now the thing so, is, yes, but... with with a mince pie, has it got to have a dusting of um, icing sugar or something over the top or not? Oh yes. Yeah. Most definitely. Got, got to have the dusting. Yeah. And has it? Is it hot or cold? <gasps> oh, do you know what? I don't mind. Right. But it needs to have a. N- a nice thick mincemeat inside. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be no, none of these. Yeah, yeah just a smidgen of mincemeat. You know, all <laughs> yes. of pastry. That's nothing yeah. to me. Um, yeah. And again, my dear old mum. She used to make some awesome mince pies. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, mum, if you are listening, when you do appear at Christmas, please bring the mince pies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be sending this to her. Say, please listen to this. Yeah, have a listen to this. Yes, there are requests there for you. Yeah. And one, one last question about the mince pies: cream or ice cream? Or custard? Oh no, cream. Cream? Oh dear. Yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> oh no, you can't have ice cream with it. No. Oh, you can no. if they're hot. No. Oh, yeah. Mid- no mid- cream. Ice cream. Cream on it all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can have the ice cream, and I'll have the Brussels sprouts. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, all right, that, that works for me. Um, my uh, my third one is a bit of an insult to. Uh, a sauce that um, is often used on roast dinners in general, but particularly at Christmas, um, and that is a thick gravy. Now, for me, Ooh. gravy has to be thick. I, I can't be doing with this transparent stuff that you know you you stir up and you pour it on the plate and you can see your plate through the gravy. You, you've gravy, you've got to be able to take a, a chunk of the meat, cut it off the main part of the meat, and then stand it up in the gravy. Um, it's, gravy's got to be thick. I love a proper thick gravy. That makes it. And again, you know, at Christmas, you can add bits to it. You know, a bit of cooking wine, maybe. A bit of cranberry sauce, maybe. Extra onions, just to give it that little extra bit of flavour. Um, but a good good thick gravy. Uh, because turkey has a tendency, if you're not careful, to be a little bit dry. Um, so decent thick gravy, just to soak the turkey in. And that, yeah, mm. that, that makes a good Christmas main course for me. So, yeah, mm. thick gravy, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying this, but it's making it's me hungry, fun, isn't it? Is that... <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've, we've got to do a load of cooking tonight, so, um, so... <laughs> I should be going from here to doing a bit of hoovering and then straight into the kitchen. So, um, and I, yeah, I will enjoy it. Go on, mate. What's your uh, yeah. what's your third food? So, uh, do you know what? I'm I, I'm looking at my list and I'm going, oh, I didn't add that in, and I didn't add that in. So I'm making it up now as I go along. I'm... Okay. <laughs> 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 and it doesn't help with the fact that suddenly my mind has gone back two years ago. We were in South Africa for Christmas. Yes, um, you were, weren't you? And uh, we had Christmas dinner was completely different, but okay. my goodness, it was amazing okay. because we had a braai. A what? And for, for yeah, I was, I was just about to explain <laughs> what a braai was. Um, so a braai is basically a barbecue. Oh, wow. And we had a barbecue braai on, on <laughs> Christmas Day. And oh my goodness, I have never had so. Much. I mean, you think about Christmas dinner, yeah, and in the UK. Well, Christmas dinner out there is meat, meat, and more meat, oh, and that's wow. not just Christmas Day. That's every day. And oh. it was ribs, and it was oh, it was awesome, absolutely awesome. Yeah, it's uh, that was a Christmas to remember. I had a great time out in South Africa. Yeah. Um, yeah, for Christmas, it was different, as I say, but it was it was amazing. 
Um, but anyway, that wasn't my my uh, my next. <laughs> You've shown another one, haven't you, mate? <laughs> I've done it again. Um, so to keep it simple. Um, Christian's I'm going in our suit, sponsored by Clarks. Um, yes. <laughs> we're not. We're not. Okay. <laughs> Before anyone <laughs> thinks that we are. Sorry, mate. Go um, on. You're, stuff no, you're dates, number four. Stuff dates. Stuff dates. Stuff dates. Mm. Yes. Is that number four? Is it? Oh no, it's your number three, isn't it? Sorry, mate. Yeah, you're you're shortchanging me now because I'm adding others in. (laughs) Says the man who's adding extras in left, right, and (laughs) centre. Yes, stuff dates. I can remember making stuff dates at school um, in home economics class, and you know, at the time, I don't think I'd ever had them, and now I can't live without them at Christmas. (laughs) If I'm honest, I loved stuff dates. What's your filling of choice? Marzipan. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, I, I yes. say that because I think I've known mum to do them uh, with marzipan, but also with um, glacé cherries and um, uh, occasionally and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, mum, mum okay. used to, she doesn't do quite as much these days, but mum used to do uh, a homemade sweet tray uh, most years. And she would do um, glacé cherries, um, what were they called? But she did sort of glacé cherry uh, rolled in marzipan, then covered in chocolate. She did stuffed dates. Um, she used to do the old uh, fondant, mint fondant icing sweets, that sort of thing. She did a, a tray of various different things. And I'm sure she used to do, I'm sure the stuffed dates that she did, she did some with marzipan. And I think she did some with glacé cherries or something like that as well. Mum mum does listen, so I imagine we'll get some feedback next week telling me I've not remembered that correctly. But... <laughs> So, <laughs> mum let me know um so number four mate so yeah number four stolen oh wow i have fallen in love with stolen but mate am i not funny. right in thinking that that's basically a roll of marzipan covered in a very thin layer of sponge cake exactly <laughs> <laughs> yes and i don't know why it seemed to become something that my mum used to say it started saying to me every christmas have you got your stolen and i'm thinking why am I stolen? <laughs> yes. And then I've just, I can't imagine Christmas without a stolen now. I don't know why. Oh, wow. Okay. But yeah. So I just, li- yeah, I really like it. I think it's the marzipan because I do enjoy marzipan. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah. yes. It's, it's interesting you've said stolen because uh, I'm, I'm going to throw an extra one in now as well. One of the things that we di- only discovered when we were in Torquay uh, about four or five years ago um, was panettone. And the Italian volunteers at Brunel Manor, where we used to work, um, they, uh, the first year we had an Italian, when Anne and I was there, they went off and got this panettone. And it was vast. It was a huge thing. And they brought it into our uh, morning coffee break and uh, very carefully sliced this thing up and handed slices around. And it was beautiful. And so for two or three years after that, we used to go across to Plymouth, to the um, Plymouth Christmas Market, um, and grab a panettone, um, which we both thoroughly enjoyed. Um, that was my 3A. My 4 is trifle. Now, I love a good trifle, and while I'm far from an alcoholic, I enjoy a good sherry trifle, um, where you can actually taste it. Um, mum used to do one, and again, mum, tell me if I'm not remembering this correctly, but I've got um, memories of mum doing a trifle with the old sponge fingers. Yes. And they would occasionally get soaked in a bit of the sherry. So you had the sponge fingers all the way around the outside of the bowl and then the rest of the trifle built in to that, built in and around that. But my other wonderful memory of trifle, as a a very young child, 
Um, so I'm struggling to remember this because it was that long ago. Um, I wasn't a keen uh, Christmas pudding fan, which was a bit of a problem for my grandmother, who did the whole traditional thing of Christmas pudding with coins in them, uh, which was the done thing then. I don't know whether it still is these days quite so much, but certainly back then, Christmas pudding had um, two or three coins in it, and, and you got to keep, obviously, the coin that you found in your portion. But of course, I didn't eat Christmas pudding. So Gran had the very tricky job of producing a trifle in an individual trifle glass and then smuggling the coin onto my place underneath the trifle glass. So it never went into the trifle. And right. I always remember the first couple of times sort of eating it and thinking, well, everyone else around me has finished their Christmas pudding and they've all got their five pences or their 10 pences or whatever they were back in those days. And I've not got anything. And of course, then the, the um, trifle glass would be cleared out to washing up. And of course, there was my little coin stood, uh, sat uh, underneath. So, um, yeah, grandma was very good at that. Uh, but yeah, love a good trifle. Love a good trifle. Um, you're number five, mate. So my number five, to finish it all off, is Christmas pudding with brandy butter. Oh, brandy butter. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I get very disappointed if there's no brandy butter. Do you make brandy butter yourself or not? No, I've never made it. Okay. No, I was... <laughs> I wouldn't know where to start with that one. <laughs> no, I'm with you on that. I don't know that I would, to be fair. <laughs> give, give, give me brandy and a tub of butter and I'll put them together and, and see what comes out. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what I'd understand. Yeah, yeah. We've got loads of listeners one. going, what are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> We're going to have brandy butter recipes put up on the uh, on the social media posts now. Yes. Uh, which is uh, So, yeah. Christmas pudding with brandy with butter. Brandy butter. Oh, yeah, nice. And my last one, I, yeah, nothing so grandiose, I'm afraid. I did allude to this a little bit earlier on in the show um, when I was talking about um, uh, Christmas crisps. And it's not that unusual these days, but sort of five or ten years ago, it was quite unusual to be able to pick up. Uh, I think the two that we picked up a couple of weeks ago, there was um, turkey and stuffing flavour crisps and uh, pigs in blanket flavour crisps. Um, I have to yep. say that neither of those two family-sized packets of crisps lasted more than about 48 hours, as Anne and I really <laughs> enjoyed them. Um, but just there's there's something about those kind of Christmas-flavoured crisps that are specific to a time of year. You don't get them sort of any other time of the year. So, um, yeah, really. And I, I'm, I'm better now than I once used to be, but I am quite a big snack eater. Um, so um, anything like that that I can stick in a bowl and just munch while I'm doing other things, I'll... I'll always appreciate that. So, uh, yeah. So does that cover our food, brother? I think it does. Awesome. Because again, yes. I'm just looking at the time and I don't want to rush this Oof. one for, for obvious reasons. Um, but yeah, time is pressing on. So I do want to move into um, our five choice aspects from the Christmas story, uh, from the Bible Christmas story. And I'll kick this one off. Uh, listeners will recall i'm sure from the show that we did uh, several weeks ago about mental health issues that one of the things that for me has come to the fore in the last nine or ten months has been a recognition of anxiety issues um, and learning to cope with them learning to give them to the lord and so on and so forth and one of the things as i was rereading the story uh, earlier on one of the things that uh, leapt out at me and I'm going to uh, bring uh, my first two together because they're broadly speaking they cover the same thing both Mary and the shepherds in the story experienced fear Mary when the angel speaks to her 
she wonders what on earth is going on and how the things that the angel have said are going to happen. Yet, despite the fear, she submitted to God, she did as she was told, and we know the rest of the story. The challenge for us and, and for myself personally is I wonder how many of us would do the same thing as readily as scripture tells us that Mary did. You know, how many yeah. of us allow our fears to get the better of us and, and we push things to one side? I've put up, and I'm just going to dive down a small rabbit hole for a moment. Earlier today, uh, yeah, I know, with, with more rabbit holes in this show than I think we've had since you and I have been podcasting together. Um, <laughs> but, um, earlier today, I was uh, looking at the Morelands College YouTube site. And Morelands College, for those who don't know, was where I spent three years at Bible College um, 25-ish years ago, 25, 30 years ago. And looking at their YouTube site earlier on, and there was a testimony from a young lady who said she knew God had called her to go to college, but she allowed other things. And part of that was fear of going back into that line uh, to distract her. And for several years, she went off and did other things before the Lord got hold of her and said, Oi, you need to be doing this. And that's a story that I can relate absolutely 100% to because I went through something very similar. I'd planned to go when I left home, I'd planned to go where I'd gone for 12 months and then I was due to be going to college. Now, praise God, during that time, uh, the Lord brought me into contact with Anne, who is now my wife of 27 years. Uh, what I didn't realize was that one of the reasons that he did that was so that she could team up with her mother-in-law, my mum, and virtually kick me into Bible college several years later, um, which was an amazing experience. But it, the, the point of that is that I allowed my fears to get the better of me. I didn't want to go back into education. I was scared witless. I'm not the most academic of people. So the thought of going back into education terrified me, and I went on the run for several years. Here, Mary experienced fear when the angels came to her, and yet almost immediately she submits to what God is doing in her life and just gets on with it, which is astonishing. Um, and the challenge is for us, you know, how many of us would do the same when faced with that fear? And my number two aspect is a similar thing. The shepherds experienced fear. In fact, I think the, the gospel account describes them as terrified um, when the angels appear, um, when the angels first appear in the field. And, and, I guess I can kind of get that. The shepherds wouldn't have been used to this particularly. They'd have been out on the fields, tending the flock. They might have seen the odd wolf or whatever. Um, they wouldn't have expected the skies to have lit up in the way that, you know, scripture describes that it did. And suddenly yeah. there's an angel there bringing them the good news. But the brilliant thing about that is that they listen, they act upon what they're told, and what happens at the end of that short account? They return to the fields rejoicing and praising God. They've done what they were supposed to do. They've followed up the story. And the result of that is that they return to where they were rejoicing and praising God. And that's a huge encouragement um, for any listeners who are struggling with fear issues, anxiety issues. Guys, give those issues to the Lord. Push through with his help and he will bring you home rejoicing. Amen. Amen. There you go. That's my one and two. Wow. Fantastic. So my one and two, I'm, yeah, I'm glad yeah, you put one and two together because yeah. I was looking at mine going, okay. So yeah, so <laughs> one and number one is Mary and Joseph traveling. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me, Christmas has become even more alive this year with Boaz and everything yes. that we've been through with, with Boaz being born at this time. 
and COVID and restrictions and you can't go in and all of that, which we've shared uh, earlier on. It's really, it's, it's opened up the Christmas story in another way to me. So yeah, Mary and Joseph traveling, yeah, the fa- and then number two is the fact is is that there was no room when they got there. Yeah, you know, the fact that Mary was heavily pregnant, and the the society, the government had had said you have to do this. Yeah, and so they they did it. They followed what um, what the government had, had told them to do. So they while well, they travelled, yeah, um, and they travelled back to Bethlehem. You, know, they had no idea when Jesus was going to be born. They arrive in Bethlehem. They need somewhere to stay, and every place they go to, the door is shut on them. Yeah. yeah the and, and you were talking about anxiety. The anxiety that they must have felt. Oh, crumbs, yeah. Um, yeah. At that time, you know, Mary in terms of the woman that is carrying this baby. Yeah. Joseph in terms of a father who is you know, and, and a husband who's yep. got a pregnant wife with him. You know, not knowing when this baby is going to be born, it's yeah. finding himself on the streets, not knowing anything else. And it just, you listeners will remember last week I talked about the fact that you know, Natasha was in hospital uh, in labor, but I couldn't be there at the time yeah. because of the restrictions. Um, and I was out on the streets in Blind and Mice doing the, the Christmas pop up. And, you know, it just, there's just this resonation, you know. Obviously, we're not homeless, but that resonation of, of yeah, you, we had no idea yeah. what was going to happen in the next minute. And so for Mary and Joseph, where were they going to stay? The fact they traveled all this far, they'd followed the guidelines that they'd been yeah. told they had to follow. Yeah. Um, and yet she was heavenly pregnant. And when was this baby going to appear? Yeah. When was she suddenly going to go into labor? Um, you know, I think we, we make the Christmas story look so pretty. Yes. Um, actually, yeah. what I love is that the Christmas story is very, very messy. Yes. And we've got to, yeah. I feel we've got to stop making it look so pretty. pretty and, yes. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. and because and, it, it wasn't. Um, no. So, yeah, so that's my one and two. The fact that, um, you know, the, the traveling and no room for, the, for, for them and, and, you know, how that links to us in terms of, you know, how much room do we give Jesus? Comes back to, you know, in yeah. the bleak midwinter and, and giving him our heart. How much room do we actually give Jesus in yeah. our lives, you know, all year round, but also at Christmas? And yeah. uh, that will knock into another one, which I'll come to later. <laughs> okay. I just reminded you, um, you in you, indeed, thanks. Um, I just, just reminded you, you were talking about uh, the fact that Christmas was messy of a sketch that I was involved in many years ago, where you have um, the local press photographer turning up at the stable wanting to report the story of the birth of a king and this press reporter walks in and sees the mess and the muck all over the floor all over the stable floor and the first thing he does is has joseph grab a broom and sweep up tidy up and virtually sterilize the surroundings so that it looks good in the photograph um and it I, yeah it is brilliant um but yeah you know the reality was it wasn't like that uh, you know, it was yeah. messy. It was very humble. Um, so my third aspect for the Christmas story is the father's protection of Jesus right from day one. But particularly you have that aspect where Herod gets a little bit upset when he finds out what's going on and decides that he's going to kill every baby under two. 
But the father's hand is on, as you would expect it to be, is on his son right from day one. And Joseph gets the message and away they go. And there's complete protection. The whole plan, and again, I come back to what I was saying earlier on, that the, the cradle and the cross are intrinsically linked. Why? Because they were part of God's plan right from the very start. So nothing was ever going to happen to Jesus. God had his hand of protection on his son right from day one because he knew where he needed to get him, you know. And I just love that whole, um, you know, here you've got um, the wounded animal because Satan recognises uh, who Jesus is and what he's going to do. And this is perhaps the first major attempt that he has um, of getting rid of Jesus. But the father says, "Uh uh-uh, (laughs) you know, I've got this, you ain't getting near him. And I just love that whole aspect. Plan A through to plan B, right the way through the father's hand, the the father's protection, right the way through. You're you're smiling, my brother. (laughs) I am, because just as you share that, it reminds me, and forgive me for talking about Boaz again, but it reminds me of exactly you know, what you were sharing in regards to that moment that we lost his heartbeat. Yes. Yeah. And you know, we we knew the promises God had given us that he was going to be that you know that everything was going to be all right. He was going to be okay. We've had that for months and months that Boaz yeah. is going to be okay, and the the calling on Boaz's life. And yet, in that moment where we lost the heartbeat, I remember saying, Lord, you said it was going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And just being quite forceful in that and just, but trusting. And, you know, as you were saying that, yeah, the father had his hand on Jesus. Everything was going to be okay. Um, And he did all the way through through life. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I thank you for that reminder, but I thank you as well for the reminder that, uh, you know, Boaz is is going to be okay no matter what comes. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, he's he's going to be he's going to be alright over these coming weeks, months, years. Amen. Yeah, because God's got a calling on his life. So yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh, you're very welcome, brother. You're very welcome, um, brother. Time is pressing, so let's have your four and five. Oh, my three and four. Well, three and four, even. Sorry, ahead <laughs> again. Sorry, time, time isn't pressing that much. I don't want to. I don't want to take one away from you, mate. Let's, let's have your three so, and four. No. So three and four, I was going to put together. So yeah, so three is the birth in a manger. Yeah. Or should I say, Jesus laid in a manger rather than the birth was in a manger. I don't think Mary <laughs> yeah. was in the manger at the time. <laughs> no. And and you know, neatly locking onto that was the simplicity. Whilst we've said that it wasn't, you know, it's not pretty. It yeah. was messy. Yeah. Um, birth is messy. You know, the fact that Jesus was laid in a manger because there was nowhere else. Yep. You know, the simplicity of being laid in a food trough yep. because that's the only thing that was there. And sometimes we can, in fact, no, not all sometimes, I think all the time, we can overcomplicate things. Yes. We can make Christmas more complicated than it is. And particularly maybe this year, we can make it more complicated because we're talking about oh you know we can what can we do and a christmas let up in terms of what we can do for five days and all those sorts of things and it's it, very simple to lose the focus again of christmas which this year really i think should be in all honesty the focus should be clearer yes yeah for us 
we all want to meet up with, with friends and, and do the, you know, the, the Christmassy things that we do in the world. But actually, why do we celebrate Christmas? It's because of Jesus. And it, it, it's shown, for me, it's shown a very clear divide between what Christmas means for people. Yes. And for those that have come through this year with a stronger sense of faith and a closer walk with Jesus, the simplicity of Christmas, I think, is, is really there. And for those that haven't, the Christmas hype, shall I say, yeah. is becoming a real focus. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's hard. It is hard this year. And with announcements being made as we were recording yeah. now of actually maybe things are going to be slightly different from even what they've said yeah but the simplicity of christmas hasn't changed christmas mm. is christmas because of jesus's birth yeah. and we mustn't overcomplicate it yeah. we mustn't become absorbed in um in in the food or in the presents or anything like that um and that you know for me myself that's me myself and i that's been a danger <laughs> um because Particularly, you know, prior to Boaz being born, we said, you know, Christmas for us is very, very simple. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now Boaz is born. It's like, oh, I've got two weeks or a week yeah. to suddenly get loads of presents. And suddenly my head has switched and I've had to go, hang on a minute. It doesn't need to be like that. Christmas is still Christmas. It's still simple. And we've yeah. had to rejiggle a few things for Christmas. But what for me... I'm really looking forward to is Christmas Day, going out into the community and as an Eden team, we are taking, we've got five families that you know don't have much yeah. and we're delivering Christmas presents on Christmas wow. morning. Yeah. And I'm really personally really excited about that. It's, it's what I've always, and honestly what I've always wanted to do. I've done food things on Christmas Day. I've helped the Salvation Army on Christmas Day with my parents and I've loved that. But to go and knock on someone's door on Christmas Day where they potentially haven't got a lot of things and hand them a bag of presents, I, I honestly can't wait. And it's, it's a gift that we have been given as an Eden team yeah. to have the privilege of being able to do this. We don't do it because of, we don't want recognition. We want to do it because that's what God gave us on Christmas Day. He gave us a gift. So, so yeah, so those are my three and four. Fantastic. Great stuff. Thank you for that. Um, I'm going to put my four and five together because um, they'll kind of complete the theme which I'd alluded to um, at the start of the podcast with uh, in terms of my thoughts and views around Christmas, which is that, you know, intrinsically the cradle is linked to the cross. And the first thing I guess uh, that, that comes to mind, my number four, is the gifts that were given by the kings, uh, gold, frankincense and myrrh gold for a king that kind of stands for itself but both frankincense and myrrh perhaps myrrh more predominantly um, were used in an embalming context um, and therefore pointed to the cross i say myrrh particularly uh, was was an embalming fluid and was used within that context and so right at the point of birth you get the whole idea of this child is born to die um, and you get the whole uh, or, or the vast majority of the story at that point. Um, and I love that fact that there is a reminder, even at the point of birth, which is a huge moment of joy, it's absolutely fantastic and rightly so, but we're also reminded through the gifts that are given that uh, there is going to be a greater day of joy 
although it may not seem like yeah. it at the time. But there's a greater day of joy to come when Christ is on the cross. And and my point five, it's not specifically an aspect of of the the, the biblical story, but it's um, something that happened to Anne and I. Uh, crumbs probably. Oh, I think it was when I was at college. So we are going back a long, long time. Um, and this, yeah, that long. Um, it, it was, Did you say anything? <laughs> no, no. I, actually, I have to say. Dear listener, my brother has been remarkably quiet every time I've mentioned an age-related comment throughout <laughs> this week's show. Well, only because I realised that, give it a few more weeks, I will be 40. <laughs> All right, okay. Oh, man, <laughs> let the party begin. No, no, maybe not. Um, yeah, no, th- this was something that happened to us when uh, when we were at Morelands, uh, which was between 1994 and 97. And this particular year, we had two Christmas cards and they stood out for reasons that I will explain. The first one said on the front, bet you've never had a Christmas card like this before. And I was somewhat intrigued. And when I opened it up in big, bold letters on the inside, it said, Happy Easter. And for a split (laughs) second, I'm thinking, that's got to be a printing error. That's got to be a mistake. But it wasn't. And it was making that same uh, point that uh, mm. you know the cradle and the cross are intrinsically linked and the next card i open that had as most christmas cards do in one way shape or form a wonderful picture of uh, the stable the cradle uh, the, the the baby in the cradle the christmas star overhead shining down and casting a shadow of the cradle but the shadow that was cast of the cradle wasn't of the cradle itself it was of the cross and I just think that was a wonderful reminder that the, sh- the shadow cast by the star as it shines onto the cradle, it's actually the shadow of the cross. And again, just that intrinsic reminder that these two events are absolutely linked uh, and that Christ was born to go to the cross, to die on the cross, to take the punishment that we deserve, to rise again on the third day. Um, and because of that, we can be saved. It was all part of the plan. Um, so that's my points four and five. It just underlines the theme that uh, for for me um, that, that Christmas and Easter are absolutely linked. Yes. Yeah. Mate, tie it up for us. Yeah. So the last one for me um, is the angels uh, with the shepherds and particularly the passage. And this really came to me last week when I was looking um, at what to do for the, the pop-up Christmas and the gospel message. Yeah. And in Luke 2, the angels, when the angels come and they talk to the, the, the shepherds and they say this, you've alluded to, the, to some of this, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a saviour who was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And then obviously the multitude come and, and they praise. But that for me, and I think for the first time ever last week when I saw this passage, not, not the first time I've seen the passage, <laughs> but the first time that it's really jumped off at me, yeah. was there's the, there's, there's the gospel message again. Yeah. Very, very clearly coming from the angels. Yeah. First of all, I bring you good news of great joy. And that's what the gospel is. It's good news for all people. It's for everyone that this good news is here for that in the city of david obviously bethlehem a savior is born for you and that who is the messiah the lord and that's that's clearly that that's jesus 
Yeah. He is a savior. It's good news. And he is here for every single one of us, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter what we're going to do in our future. He has been saved. As, no, he, sorry. He has been born for us to be saved. Yeah. And he was born the same as every one of us. You know, we were all born. We didn't just appear. Yeah. You know, we were all born. We all had a messy birth. Yeah. Because birth is messy. And if anyone listening didn't have a messy birth, let me know because I'd like to know how you did it. Um, <laughs> and you know, that's that's Jesus. Jesus was born in a stable. It brings, but it's the gospel message there from. You know, and then what happened? The angels came together, a multitude of them, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people who favours. You know, what, what's, what, what's our response to worship? It's to worship him. And it, for me, again, it goes back to Romans 12. Yes. And, you know, and uh, you know, I've had that, and I will admit it now, I have had <laughs> that passage of Romans 12 now tattooed on my arm it's something i've always wanted to do and obviously been a living sacrifice and, yeah. and eden having that but it now it can't escape me and i'm not saying that everybody has to have it tattooed on their arm for me <laughs> no, it was no. something that i personally really wanted to do yeah. um because it's there i can see it every day yeah that you know i'm called to be a living sacrifice but i'm called to be worship to yeah. god yeah. um and yeah that's the gospel message the gospel message is good news for us all we all can accept it we all can be saved and through that we worship god we lift up our okay. praises to him and we give our lives to him and it comes back to the heart so yeah there's the end there's the gospel yeah, and so absolutely. listeners if there's anyone that's listening to this that hasn't accepted jesus yet may what you've heard of us and as we share our silliness Yes. as well in our christmas songs and in our foods and we have a laugh let us remember that this is about jesus it is about a baby that was born yeah and the fact okay. that he it was born for all of us those angels proclaimed it there and then and we say it day in day out jesus was born for each one of us and how do we accept jesus in our lives we i met jesus on the bathroom floor and just said lord if you're there help me yeah and that's how I met Jesus. And we all have our own individual walks with Jesus. We all have our own stories of how we met with Jesus. But Jesus will meet us. And all we have to do is say, Jesus, come into my life or something along those lines. You, Jesus, yeah. if you're there, help me. If Jesus, if you're there, you work through this situation with me. Yeah. It's, it's that simple because calling out in the name of Jesus is faith. Yeah, because absolutely. All honesty, you're, you're throwing words into the air and going, I really hope you're going to be there to catch these. So, yeah, listeners, if you don't know Jesus, if you've been questioning that, I encourage you right now in this time to to, to throw that out, yeah. to throw those words out there, to mean it with the heart. If wherever you are right now, if there is a situation that you cannot see the end of, ask Jesus to come in to help you yeah. because he will. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Brother, thank you for that. And sadly, that is all we've got time for this week. And in fact, for this year as well. A year that's seen yes. significant change for uh, on, on a personal, a podcast and a global scale. 
Uh, for Anne and I, we've moved from South Wales to South West England, and we're now planning a move back to North Wales. The podcast has become a two-hander. Brother, God bless you yes. for joining us on the show. Oh, bless year. you. It's been a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to all that next year holds for the podcast. Um, and globally, our world is unlikely to ever be the same again. But for all that, we have to say that God is still in control. You know, that's something for us to to be holding on to so as always our thanks for joining us and please do share the show with your friends your families and your churches you can find christians in our soup every sunday on all good podcast players as well as every friday at 10 a.m uk time on new sound christian radio but until we share the airwaves again can we wish you all a very happy christmas and a very happy and blessed new year but for now it's goodbye from That'll be me, you, Bramwell, and happy Christmas. <laughs> That'll be me, yeah, that will be me. Should we do that again? <laughs> <laughs> what we did so I get nearly, wrong? We <laughs> so nearly get it right, don't we? We so nearly get it right. <laughs> well, now, oh, it's too much more from... <laughs> What do you want? Me? Yes, you. Bramwell. Yes. <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> And it's goodbye and happy Christmas from me, Russ, as well. Dear listeners, God bless you. Have a great Christmas and a good new year. We'll see you in the new year. God bless. God bless.